Christina, you don't have to feel bad about not wanting to get out of bed. My wife did not want to get out of bed either. She didn't want me to get out of bed. She wanted me to stay in bed with her so her toes wouldn't get cold. So, <laughs> But I've got to preach. <laughs> Uh, if you will open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. And we have been looking at Paul's defense of justification by faith. We ended with verse 5 last week. So I'm going to pick up with verse 6 even though it is mid-sentence. Tried something different. I decided to go ahead and put the scripture verse or the scripture reading in the in the bulletin. Um, so you have that to follow along with. The only reason I've not done it before is I feel it's so important for you to have your own copy of the scriptures open uh, that um, I don't want to cause anyone to be tempted not to bring their Bibles. But we have the scripture text um, in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along from there. Beginning with verse 6, Galatians chapter 3. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would uh, add the blessing to not only the reading of your word, but also the preaching of it. And I pray that as Christ is proclaimed, that he would be first and foremost in every heart, and that he would use his word powerfully to make us more like him. Father, I pray that your Spirit would work faith in us. If there are those any here who do not uh, believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that uh, you would bring them to faith. Father, for those who do trust in Christ, as he is proclaimed this morning, I ask that their faith in him might grow more strong indeed. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I assume most of you have heard the song, uh, Father Abraham Has Many Sons. The real reason my wife didn't want me to get out of bed this morning is I told her I was going to sing. <laughs> and she threatened not to come. So I apologize uh, for what I am about to do. Um, and uh, in case you're wondering after I finish, we give no refunds from the offering. <laughs> but the song, um, Father Abraham Has Many Sons, it goes like this. Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then it goes... Uh, you repeat it and you go faster each time sometimes people do it at rounds and it sounds more like a polka than than an actual hymn well if you were a Judaizer you wouldn't sing that song if you were in, in the same gathering with uncircumcised Gentiles 
he would change the words. And so for a Judaizer, they might sing, Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them, but you are not. So let's just get you circumcised. (laughs) The Judaizers love to point out that belonging to God meant being a child of Abraham. In fact, if you remember back to John chapter 8, as Jesus is having a heated discussion with the Pharisees, Jesus says that those Pharisees, those children of Abraham, are really children of the devil. And remember their retort? He said, we can't be children of the devil. We are offspring of Abraham. Abraham is our father. And the Judaizers believed that if the Gentiles wanted to belong to God, they had to become children of Abraham. And the only way, of course, they would say, to become a true child of Abraham was to be circumcised as he was circumcised. And they could even point to the scriptures in support of this. Genesis 17 verse 10. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And so they say, here's scripture proof. If you are going to be a child of Abraham, you have to be circumcised if you were a male. So until the Gentiles were circumcised, these Judaizers were arguing in the church at Galatia. They had no right to call Abraham as their father. They had no right to call God their father. And Paul wrote the book of Galatians to combat this type of thinking. You have a couple of uh, points there on the back of your bulletin. The first point is, sons of Abraham are righteous by faith. Paul quotes here in verse 6 in Galatians chapter 3, he quotes Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. And so it's a word-for-word quote. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul is making a profound argument here. And the, the argument he's making is that Abraham believed God, and he was, and it was counted to him as righteousness in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Now they didn't have chapters and verse back then but uh, they understood all the same that chapter 15 comes before chapter 17. That Paul was believed, or, uh, Abraham believed God and was counted as righteous well before God gave him the command to be circumcised. And so what Paul's saying here is because Abraham was counted righteous on account of his faith in God before he was commanded to be circumcised, then it is impossible for circumcision to be a prerequisite for becoming righteous. In fact, Paul's saying here the real requirement to become righteous 
for a Gentile, it's the same requirement that was placed on Abraham. Abraham became righteous by believing God. So, instead of Gentiles becoming righteous by circumcision or observing the law, rather, righteousness comes through faith. So the real sons of Abraham, Paul is saying here, to use the language of the Judaizers against them, the real sons of Abraham are those who believe God. It is by faith. Paul's argument stands the test of time. It is just as true today as it was way back then. We are justified, not by works, but by faith alone. And it's not logical to believe this. It's not logical to believe that God justifies sinners only by faith. What's logical to us is that we have to do something to appease God. Or we have to do something to make up for our sins. We have to do something to let God know that we are sincere. But God counts us as righteous without actions on our part. The only action, if you want to call it an action, is embracing Jesus Christ by faith. By embracing Jesus Christ, we embrace His actions on our behalf. We embrace His actions in our place. When we embrace Jesus Christ, we embrace His perfect righteousness. When we embrace Jesus Christ, we embrace His suffering and death. When we embrace Jesus Christ, we embrace His death-conquering resurrection from the grave. When we embrace Jesus Christ, we embrace God's salvation that Jesus Christ purchased for us. Jesus did it all. We simply embrace Him and what He has done in our stead. And so, the Apostle Paul says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I want to focus for a few moments on this word believed because we we believe that salvation is by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham was not simply believing a set of facts. Abraham, it says right here in the text, it says it in Genesis 15.6, it says it here in Galatians 3.6, Abraham believed God. Let's put this in context. You don't need to turn there because it's a familiar passage, but I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. The scripture says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, 
You have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he, and he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and number the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham, Abraham is not simply believing a set of facts. Abraham believed God. When Abraham is believing God's promises, he is believing God to be good. He is believing God to be faithful to His Word. He's believing God to be true to His Word. He's believing God to be loving and gracious to Him. He's believing God to be powerful. Abraham, at this point in his life, when God gave him this promise in Genesis 15, was well beyond the age at which he could bear children. His wife was well beyond the age where she could bear him a child. But Abraham believed God and believed that God was able to do what He promised. He didn't just believe a set of facts. He threw his, he cast his faith into God, put his lot with God, embraced God, and in embracing God, embraced all of his promises. Embracing his promises, he also embraced the promised Messiah who is going to come and make him the father of many nations. And when we embrace Jesus Christ, we are doing far more than simply believing a set of historical facts that He died on the cross and rose from the grave. We are embracing the person of Jesus Christ. We are embracing the God of the universe who loved us so much that He was willing to take on flesh, to come into this world, to live a perfect life, to die a cursed death in order that we might have life and fellowship with God. Jesus says it was for the joy set before Him that He endured the shame, endured the, the penalty, endured the curse of the cross. And let me say this by way of parenthesis. This week alone I've had uh, three different conversations with people who have been sitting under preaching where, if you could call it that, uh, the, the pastors rarely, if ever, referred to the Bible. And I, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to be make make the message relevant to the people trying to speak in the language of the culture but it is in the scriptures in the scriptures alone that God reveals himself that God reveals his glory that God reveals his, his grace that God reveals his savior Jesus Christ and I preachers who are not opening God's word and proclaiming God's word instead of helping faith grow in the lives of their hearers are actually hindering their faith rather than promoting it. 
let me say one more word about faith. There's some of you that may be saying this morning, well, the salvation is by faith. What if my faith is not strong enough? What about my doubts? Does that hinder me if I have a weak faith from being a Christian? Let me tell you. Let me proclaim to you that when your faith is placed in Jesus Christ, no matter how weak, no matter how feeble, God counts your imperfect faith as perfect righteousness. Because it is not the quality of your faith that saves you. It is the quality of Christ's righteousness. Faith is simply that instrument whereby we embrace Christ. The Holy Spirit works faith in us. We respond in the faith that He gives us. We embrace Christ. And regardless of how feeble or how frail you perceive your faith to be, as long as it embraces Jesus Christ, that's enough. Jesus says something about a faith being as small as a mustard seed being able to move a mountain it's not because our faith is so strong it's because God is so powerful our faith Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness not simply because Abraham's faith was so strong but because the God in whom his faith embraced was so loving gracious and perfectly righteous the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus' righteousness becomes your righteousness your sin becomes his sin and that's why he died on the cross to pay for your sins Let's move along to the second point. Sons of Abraham are blessed along with Abraham. Verses 8 and 9. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Basically what this is teaching us, teaching us very clearly that there is only one way of salvation. You know, there's this myth that I've heard since I was a young boy that the Jews had one way of salvation and Christians have another way of salvation. That is not true. Look again at verses 8 and 9. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. The same gospel that Abraham believed and was saved by is the same gospel that we, are, we believe and are saved by. God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. From the beginning of the world 
In fact, we can go back into eternity past. God has had only one way of salvation. And that was in Jesus Christ. The Jews looked ahead to Him. We look back to Him in His finished work. But there is only one way of salvation. All of Abraham's children believe the same gospel. His true sons and daughters are people of faith. There's only one way of salvation for Jews and Gentiles. There's only one salvation for any living human being. There are not many paths to God. There's only one path, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's only one name given under heaven or earth by which a man must be saved, and that is the name Jesus Christ. And so we see it even here in verse 8. In you shall all the nations be blessed. All the nations, regardless of the, the different prominent religions, there's only one way for the people in those nations to be blessed, and that is through Jesus Christ. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. There's only one people of God. That's been God's plan from the beginning. Again, there's this idea that we need to separate the Jews and the, and the Christians. But what the Gospel has done was it showed that it was God's plan to bring them together, to destroy all the barriers. Again, listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Paul says, Therefore remember, and he's talking to Gentiles, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made both who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore thereby killing the hostility. There's this idea that God has several different plans and He's working out several different plans of salvation in the different peoples through the different ages. No, there's only one way of salvation. And this means that all of God's promises to Abraham all of God's promises to His people are now yes and amen to us in Christ. To conclude, it is surprising how many people or how easy it is to try and separate peoples. Jews want to separate themselves from Christians. Christians want to separate themselves from Jews. Blacks from whites. uh, Rich from poor. Educated from uneducated. The gospel will not allow us to make those distinctions. There is only one way of salvation. There is only one people of God. And God has thrown the door of salvation wide open through Jesus Christ. There's only one door, but that door is wide open 
through Jesus Christ. What mountains do you have to climb to get there? What valleys do you have to go to get there? There are no mountains, no valleys. Simply by believing in Jesus Christ. Let me add a note of assurance to this. There are there are many Christians who struggle with assurance of salvation. They look back on their past and they say, How could God love me? And the guilt of past actions, the guilt of past sins, the guilt of past um, actions towards other people weighs on them. And it eats away at the foundation of their assurance. It is not what you did yesterday. It is not what you did last year. What justifies you is believing in Jesus Christ. The pastor who discipled me used to tell me all the time, and I didn't get it when you said it, but now I use it continually. And I think I've said it here a few times from the pulpit. The same steps that a non-Christian takes in coming to Christ are the same steps that we take as believers when we repent of our sins. Both repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ. So the question is, not what you did last year, not what you did last decade, not what you did yesterday. The question is, are you believing Jesus Christ today? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we transition in this worship service to uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, Father, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit and help your people to come to the Lord's table with that full assurance of faith that can't come by our actions that can only come by believing your word and believing in Jesus Christ our Lord. I ask in his name. Amen.